Hey guys, it's Ellie, Sadie, and Dad. Morgan cannot make it on this episode, um, but we are super excited. Um, and we have a very special guest here tonight. Um, all three of us that are on this podcast tonight know who this person is. Um, my dad has known him longer than I have personally, um, but I have just recently met him. He is a great guy, a youth pastor at Cedar Ridge Church, um, and he has many other talents, and he is here tonight to share his testimony with all of you. So give a big round of applause for Grant Shockley. Hey. Yeah. Hey, you know what this guy does for me? What? He's my taxidermist. <laughs> I got to be nice to my taxidermist because all them big deer that I kill. That's right. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> you can say hi, Grant. Hey, it's a great night to uh, be on here with you guys, and I appreciate you letting me be here. So we are going to start with the first question that we ask every special guest we have on this podcast and that is what is something real that god has done in your life um i would say my dad helped me put this answer together a little bit we've listened to you guys so we knew this answer or this question was coming rather and i would say that was with my only relationship i was ever in um for anyone who doesn't know me i'm 23 which is honestly for this day and age kind of late to be in only one relationship but I was in a relationship last year, and before that in my life, I was just kind of going through life not being fully dedicated to God. I was there, I was doing youth pastoring, but it just wasn't, I didn't study very much, and just, it wasn't there for me. And I went into this relationship being super excited, just having a girlfriend that was just awesome. That's why I had pursued for like years and years. I mean, it's a big deal people like you want that in your life and a couple months into our relationship it was just not going the best and I ended up going with her on a float trip and I got to hang out with her friends and her friends were all just drinking beer and just not my type of people and it was her type of people I didn't know it at the time and after that, we just kind of broke it off. and But through that, I used God to get me through that situation because that was hard for me. I was mm-hmm. attached. It was my first person ever and uh, my only person up until this day. And after that, God became so much more in my life because I knew I didn't need that. I seen that. Mm-hmm. I tried that life. Don't get me wrong. Having a girlfriend is great, but you don't have to have one. Having a boyfriend for the girls, you don't have to have one. And that's one thing in my life. Like, I want to push that towards my teenagers um, in the youth ministry as much as possible because there's so many of them who chase relationships over and over and over again, finding a new one, losing that one. They're heartbroken for a while, find another one. just goes (laughs) on and on. And that's just one part that just became real in my youth ministry to me and God used that relationship. And I've got to share that story with my teenagers and help them through stuff. That's so awesome. I know for me, I feel like, um, going through high school, a lot of my friends try to find the joy through relationships. Like you said, um, when the real joy comes from God and God is love. So in order to have that true love with a person, you have to have God in your life first and you have to be pursuing him fully first. Um, so I totally understand. And I think that was a great point you made. Yeah, you're exactly right in that, uh, 
I mean, there's just so many of them. And like I said, I see it over and over. And they waste this energy and this time that they could put towards God. And years down the road, if people don't tell them about it, and if they ignore you, they ignore you. But if they actually get a hold of it, and if they don't get a hold of it, years down the road, they'll see, I wasted this time that I could have been using for God. Yes, for sure. And then other than Grant being a youth pastor, um, he also does, what's he do for you, Dad? He does my big bucks, my taxidermy. (laughs) So um, Dad is used to working with his dad. Dad has worked with our papa for a very long time. And so Grant also has worked with his dad for a very long time. So tell us, like, how it is, like, working with your dad and how you guys can relate. Um, It is... For me personally, it is a blast. Some days, Dad is in an awful mood, and those days are not a blast. Hey, I've been there. I've been there. You know, working with your dad is it's great, and uh, um, I'm so thankful that I I get to do it, and I'm sure you are too. But there's days we probably you probably want to just go, oh my gosh. Not very often, <laughs> but there are those days. There's those days I go out to the shop, where actually I'm always out there first. Yeah. He sleeps in. Yeah, I, just, um, I figured that. I figured he was a late sleeper. He is. He, he has banker hours. <laughs> but there are plenty of days he comes out, and I can just instantly tell, oh, it's going to be rough today. I can tell. But for the most part, we have just a good time. I mean, we're goofballs, and we get our work done, but we definitely play a lot, too, yeah. and just mess around. So now that we're on the subject of your job, what are some things you enjoy doing um, in your daily life? Um, In daily life, honestly, my only answer is what I just said. I just love working with my dad and staying around with my family. Uh, my family is very important to me. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of times that me and dad talk about my youth ministry or Sunday or just church services in general while we're out there. Um, since we work by our on our own, we get the opportunity to listen to Christian music or different sermons and just stuff that people who work out and about don't get the opportunity to do all the time. And we get the opportunity also to share um, Christ with people through the shop. There is a uh, several people in our church who are from the shop itself. Like they didn't know about the church or us beforehand, and we got them to come. So it's an awesome experience. And going back to their shop, I joke around, but. Um, Shane and it's a J and I taxidermist. They do a great job guys. I'm telling you, they're great people. And that's where, you know, you don't realize the people you meet and you'll agree with me here. They'll come into your business and you know, you just, you don't have to start talking to them or beating them over the head with the Bible, but you kind of learn them a little bit before you know it, you can kind of lead them that way. Oh yeah, for sure. Awesome. Well, now that we know a little bit about Grant, um, he is now going to tell us a little bit about why he is actually here tonight, and that is to share his testimony um, with you guys. So, Grant, you can take it away and share what God has laid on your heart. All right. So, this is a little bit of a longer story, but I'll try to go fairly quickly, (laughs) not to stay just me for too long. (laughs) But growing up, I was always in church. Um, We've been at Cedar Ridge for... 18, 19 years now. I'm 23, so I was like four or five when we went. So everyone in the church knew. Like, I uh, knew me for however long, 19 years, I guess. Mm -hmm. But they seen me growing up. We had all kinds of friends and just had a good time. And I got, I said I got saved when I was like six, seven. Um, I don't really remember it. 
I knew all the answers, like any church kid should. You're the preacher's kid, and you guys know you guys are the preacher's granddaughters. Uh, You get the same label. You guys aren't Ellie or Sadie. You are David Douglas's granddaughters. Yes. I am Shane's boy. (laughs) But we, I went through life. I was song leader in church, still am, but I started that when I was like 15, 16. Um, Just did anything I could. I mean, if there was a service, I did not miss it. I mean, I just knew all the Bible questions. I knew I was a good person. And everyone in church always knew that. And I went through my life till I was 17, and we had a uh, revival service. And if you don't know what a revival service is, for the listeners, that is a special series of services. It's normally a Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, or Friday, Saturday, Sunday, where you have a preacher from another area come in. And we had a preacher, so you guys probably know them, the Ledbetters? The Ledbetters come in, and Sunday morning service, the first service, he is preaching. I couldn't tell you what the service was at all, but they got to invitation, and it just hit me that I had never actually gave myself to Christ. I went through the motions, I got emotional about it, and that was all I ever did. I didn't surrender to Christ and never actually accepted him. So it hit me right there in that service, and I remember just sitting in my pew, lowering my head down, and thoughts just started coming over me, and just the devil was just putting these thoughts in my head telling me that people in the church would think I was lying to them all these years, and that um, dad would not be happy with me because I got saved under someone else and not him. Just absolute garbage. None of it made any sense, but to me at the time, I was like, oh, that will happen. And I just lowered my head, and I remember crying. I mean, I was a big guy. I'm a big guy now. Um, But just crying, I remember seeing tears on the carpet and the floor, and I just went through it. I decided that I would talk to Dad about it later on in the week, and we could just, I could give myself to Christ then. Went through the service, and it never hit me again. All services throughout the week, nothing hit me. And I was like, okay, that was weird, but I'm fine. And I went from that to just going on. And two weeks later, Dad had the opportunity to preach a revival himself at a different church. And I went to a service. It was great. I decided to uh, go to another service. I skipped the event I had that night and go listen to Dad once again. And I don't remember, once again, I don't remember what the service was. I'm sure it was great. But that, when they asked for invitation, I didn't get hit by nothing that night. But a friend of mine, which was actually the preacher's daughter of that church, she was my age. She went up just brokenhearted and had been living the same life I had. She said she got saved when she was 12. But she really just went up with a group of friends and just that's what they were doing. So I'll say I did it too. And I did, she went up and they said that to the church. And instantly, as soon as they said that she had gotten saved and actually accepted Christ and that she had not been uh, fully, like hadn't been saved ever, it just hit me. Like just felt like I got punched in the gut. Like I felt like I was (laughs) dying. So... I went out to the porch of the church and just kind of stayed away from everyone, just kind of shut down. When I don't feel well, um, people who know me well know I just kind of get quiet. I'm normally a very talkative person, and I will just 
emotionally kind of shut down and push myself away from everyone until I recover. So, um, we went and got in the car and for some reason, I have no clue why this is it, but dad was in the back seat. My grandma rode with us. She was in the back seat. I got the passenger <laughs> seat and mom was driving. I don't know how we got in this. That's funny. But I remember that specifically. And they just started talking about her over and over again. Just how great that was that Chrissy had gotten saved and how um, just awesome and brave she was about that. And I just stayed quiet. I mean, just didn't act different. I just stayed quiet. And they're talking about it, talking about it, talking about it. And they stopped talking about it and moved on to a totally, completely different subject entirely. Away from that, they was done with that. And I was just felt terrible. Like I said, I'm still continuously getting punched in the gut at this point. It felt awful. And I remember praying to God. I made a deal with God. Just let anyone know. Don't make a deal with God unless you're willing to keep it because he's going to keep his side of it. Um, I remember praying, I said, if you want me to give my life over to you and serve you for the rest of my life wholeheartedly, and that's all I'm ever going to do, whatever you want me to, have them start talking about her within the next mile. And they had been talking about her and they was done talking about her. I said, amen. Less than 10 seconds later, they brought her up again. And I just about had a fit. I was like, <laughs> oh. So I went ahead. Um, I told my mom, I said, man, what she did was really brave. And mom's like, yeah, it was really brave. And I said, I need to do that too. And right then I broke down like an absolute baby bawling. <laughs> and um, my mom and my grandma, once again, I'm a good person. I mean, if someone was going to heaven by works, I was it. Yeah. I was the poster boy of the church. And they was trying to talk me out of it. They're like, you're good. You're already saved. You don't need to do that twice. And I'm like, uh, I ain't done that. And how God works, God prepares people for certain situations. Mm -hmm. Two weeks, three weeks before in the shop, dad's just working. I hadn't done anything different. And a thought just come over him that I hadn't actually ever been saved. And God prepared him for that moment. So he wasn't also trying to tell me that I was just kind of too emotional and out of it. And ever since then i mean it's just been a different story for me and that story has gotten i mean many not many but i'd say good five six maybe more people have been saved from hearing my testimony that were in my same shoes of you went through the motions you're a good person obviously you're going to heaven and they have never really given it up to christ um and we've seen that over and over in our church and I know it's it's a dangerous spot to be in because there is people that think they're good enough when you need Christ and no one is good enough. Yeah, you're completely right. And there's a lot of people that I know that um, will start talking about godly things and it'll come up the question, are you a Christian? And they'll say, well, I, I'm saved. Um, but like you said, it doesn't take just that. I'm saved saying that you are, you actually have to fully commit and um, not only do it through your actions, but you have to have that relationship um, that a lot of people are missing out on. Yeah. And um, I think Ellie and I, and like our whole family, dad, we can all relate to this because we have been raised in church our whole entire lives. And we kind of like, 
growing up, you go through the motions, but it's not until you really accept Jesus and he like touches you and you just feel like that complete relationship with him. And it's your choice to go up and to get saved. And I just think that's really cool because I could really relate to that. And Grant's, and he's, he's right. Being the preacher's kid, everybody kind of looks at you Different. a little bit different. Yeah. And, uh, they, they set an expectation on you. They, yeah, yeah. yeah, and it's and 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 preachers, you know, they think people think they just go to church and Sunday's all they do. But we know we know the behind the scenes, don't we, Grant? I mean, oh, yeah. they the funerals and the hospital visits, and they just do so much more than people people ever know. I mean, I've seen my dad late at night, two o'clock in the morning, get going to the hospital. I mean, but. People look at you totally different, and you try to live up to that. And sometimes you think, "Oh, I'm David Douglas's kid, so I'm good." It's not how it works. That's just not how it works. And I feel like too, um, a lot of people. I know for me in high school, I was kind of in your shoes as well. People would like laugh. Oh, well, you're the preacher's granddaughter, and they would kind of like giggle and stuff. Um, but they didn't see that. I wasn't just following Christ because that's what I was shown. It's because I chose to have that relationship with Him. And I chose to find joy in Christ and not in the things of this world. And so I am just so touched by your testimony. That's so awesome. And I know that our listeners are going to be touched with that as well. Um, And hopefully um, people will understand how it is. People don't understand how you feel once you're saved. Like you said, you broke down in tears. Um, It was a experience that you'll never forget. It's one of the weirdest feelings you'll ever have. It is. It's like you can't help it. Like it's like God just has taken over like you and it's so cool. It's It's like such a peace. You can't explain it. Beforehand you feel so heavy and then right afterwards you feel so light. Lifted off your shoulders. Hey and and us big guys can cry too. I cry. (laughs) It feels good to cry. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, I don't know, a few weeks ago we had this great service and you talking about tears falling. You know, I remember looking down and I had tears falling and I'm thinking, you know, how can some, how can you cry like that? But it feels good. I mean, it just feels good to cry. And I think everyone should be able to have the opportunity to feel being saved feel like know what it feels like to have a relationship with god and for him to give you a peace and to know that like he loves you and he cares for you and so like not just going to church does not mean you're a christian i think a lot of my friends say well i go to church so i'm a christian but it's not because of that you have to actually fully give your heart to god and be a child of god and live not be hearers but be doers also when God is real to you. I mean, it says in the Bible, they'll know us by our works. Mm -hmm. I mean, you guys go to church. I go to church. We can both, I guarantee you, see people who sit in church every single week, Mm -hmm. but they don't have any works. Mm -hmm. I mean, they're just there, and that's all they do. And you just have to wonder how many people sit in church who don't actually have a relationship with Christ, and they just think, oh, I'm in church. I do what I'm supposed to, and that is my golden ticket into heaven. And they think they're okay with that. And it's just sad for me to think that they don't even realize. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, just things that God shows us about, you know, him being real. I'm, I'm going to tell you a, a story real quick. Um, 
last night Jacob Woolsey is he's in the hospital sick, and I think I know this sounds crazy. You know, you you guys, a lot of you will believe this, but three o'clock in the morning last night, I got woke up and I thought I need to pray for this guy. And when I prayed for him, because he's he was he's in he was in Lake Regional down there, he's not doing very good. But after I got in prayer, it's like I had a peace. Everything was going to be all right, and it was the coolest thing. I woke up this morning. I looked at the update, and they said how much better his his vitals and everything was. And I'm telling you, it it's like no way. You know, you guys are oh, yeah. that feeling like oh, really, yeah. man. Yeah. It's, but, the doctors had told us last night that there was honestly not much hope. And mm-hmm. then we woke up this morning, and my weights coach actually told us today. He's like, I really do believe in the power of prayer because there is no way that his oxygen went from 100 to they dropped it all the way down to 40 and so it's just really cool well me and ellie was with a guy last night and we was talking about this and his grandpa is in his 90s and he told his son he said listen son grandpa's gonna die they they don't in the morning he's not gonna make it till in the morning and the little boy kept saying he's not dead yet we need to go pray and he said no bub he's not doing very good he said Dad, he's not dead yet. We need to pray. And the next morning, they called, and they said, did, did he make it through the night? He said, make it through the night. He needs to get out of this hospital. He's wanting to find his dump truck and stuff. He's wanting to go to work. Gosh. And and this guy, I'm not lying, ML. That's no. a true story. But things like that, just that's what we want to press, is that things really happen like that. And that goes back to uh, getting saved and feeling that peace from God. Um, when you're a Christian, you are able to feel the peace from God when you pray and when you uh, go through different things. So that steers back to what Grant said in his testimony and about how he didn't fully feel that peace until he fully committed to Christ and to do his works for the rest of his life. So how did you feel that night after you after? You did that. Did they pull the car over on the side of the road? Did, did <laughs> you go to McDonald's? Did you guys go? I meet? think we might have went to McDonald's. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> but wasn't that a great feeling it when you was. finally just let that off of your and chest? And I would like to say that none of the stuff that the devil put in my head. If anything, people had more respect for me at church yeah. afterwards mm-hmm. yeah. and respected me more over being able to do that. And nothing like when it come to respect or any of the ideas that popped in my head happened it was just the devil because i right. mean yeah the devil is okay the people that we was talking about earlier the people who just sit in church and don't know that they are lost and they don't actually have christ he's okay with that if you yeah. want to go to church every week and yeah. you don't know jesus he's fine with that you are pretty much asleep yeah and whenever you get the idea that you need christ that's when he's gonna step in and try to tell you you don't well mm-hmm. people like to go through the motions i mean that's mm-hmm. all it is it's it's you know it's kind of a routine you know, um, when COVID all happened, you know, everybody, I hate to even say it, got out of the routine. I hate for it to be called a routine, but that's almost what it was like to people. Oh, it's Sunday morning. We're going to go to church. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm telling you, when we didn't go to church, we felt empty. We felt mm-hmm. not just, just being with people. I mean, yeah. we just, we believe it's more than just a routine. And we yeah, just, you just need like that fellowship with people and that's just I'm telling you, people are trying to find joy. And I say this every podcast I'm in. They try to find joy in other places, and there's only one way to find joy. And money is not one of them. I mean, you're correct on the joy thing. The world is pointing everyone, especially 
um, as I'm a youth pastor, my heart goes out to the teens, especially, um, the world say to you're in school. Yeah. Um, it tries to point you in every single direction, but towards Jesus yeah. mm-hmm. for joy relationships. Um, you have all these different, um, what's the word I'm looking for? I don't know what I'm looking for, but different <laughs> groups that they're trying yeah. to support all these clubs. different clubs, <laughs> whatever you want to say, but these different ideas that what they want to support, they want to be part of something, but it's not pushing them to the part of Jesus Christ. Yes. Um, I agree with you totally. It's, it's kind of gotten sad. And I, you know, it makes me worry for later on, you know, Sam's nine. And I just stress, you know, about how it's going to be in 10 years, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, it's changed so much, much in the last 10 years. So all we can do is pray, you know, God's got control. You know, what's it saying at the end? We win, you know, at the end. So we just got to keep faith and, and, like say to you, we got to do our work, don't we? Say we got to be workers in the field, and so. So Grant, to end the podcast episode, I want to ask you, what is since you said you are a youth pastor and you, your heart goes out to teens, what is the best advice if you had to give it to a teenager? What is the best advice that you would give them um, when it comes to their spiritual relationship with Christ and their daily walk? Um, what is some advice that you would give them? Um, I know some of my teens are going to tune into this and they've already heard me talk about this enough, <laughs> but um, they, they, they like me. It's fine. Yeah. But one thing I will tell them always is study your word. I mean, yeah. as a Christian, that is my food. And if, and like Aaron said earlier, church turns into a habit. Reading your Bible can turn into a habit. I will be honest with you. There are some nights that I want, just want to go to bed and I don't want to read. But I normally make myself read because I feel better afterwards. And I tend to believe, like, I'm like, oh, I just need sleep. I'm going to be tired in the morning. I think if I give my time to Christ, he'll make me feel better in the morning. It'll be fine. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, that's not wasted time. <laughs> And I tell my teenagers this all the time. I said, you guys feel like you're young right now. You need to be in Christ right now while you're young. Um, I'm not old by no means. I'm 23. But um, don't get to where a lot of teens get out of Christ or get out of church. And then they come back in their 30s or their 40s. And they just wasted that time where they could actually be focused on Christ. Like I said earlier, um, my big thing is relationships. I just get so tired of seeing my teens. I'm sorry if I'm talking about you guys, but, um, I get so tired of them getting into all these pointless relationships. Mm -hmm. I mean, when you're that young, you don't know what love is and (laughs) you're wasting your time. Figure out Jesus's love Yeah, Yeah. in a huge thing because I am big on these relationships, obviously, as I've showed when you're looking into being in a relationship and that goes for people our age, anyone Mm -hmm. who's single, um, look at, is that person going to push you spiritually? Are they going to push you towards Jesus or are they pushing you away? I mean, the Bible tells us specifically not to be unequally yoked and with uh, non-believers. And I see so many people in the older generation you have, uh, at least in my church, you have, older ladies who go to church and their husbands are nowhere. I mean, they don't go to church and 
I don't want to see my teenagers get into relationships with someone who is not going to be involved in Christ. The people who decide to be involved in Christ just because they are. When they're not at church, they're not going to show up at church. I want to see them going to church together. And if one of them can't make it to church, the other one's still there and push each other in those ways. Mm -hmm. So all that comes back to trust God and just use your time wisely. And if you're going to be in a relationship, be in a relationship that's going to push you closer to Christ. That's so good. Well, thank you so much, Grant. um, I want to thank you real quick for what you do too. I mean, being the age you are and, and, Teaching those teens and letting them be able to look it's up not to easy you. To teach us teens. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you guys are fun. Yeah. <laughs> they can be all right. Well, thank you so much again, Grant, for being on the podcast. We cannot wait for people to hear your testimony and the advice you have for all of the teenagers of the world. So remember to just be real. Thank you guys. <laughs> we'll see you next time.